your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 382 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. That song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. Definitely check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today, we want to talk a little bit more about the Gerard Gallant introductory press conference from yesterday. Of course, we also covered it in yesterday's episode, but when I was recording the episode yesterday, it was after the introductory presser had taken place, but before there were really any videos, any clips of it uh, circulating on the internet. And so all I really had to go by were articles that were being written by media members who were able to dial into the introductory presser and some tweets being sent out, things like that. So... I think we did a pretty good job covering uh, all the big talking points from the press conference in yesterday's episode, but there were a couple of other things uh, that we did not cover in yesterday's episode that we will get to today in just a second, and then we're also going to point the free agent spotlight at Philip DiGiuseppe. Philip DiGiuseppe, an impending unrestricted free agent for the New York Rangers. We're going to talk a little bit about him today, and maybe we'll also uh, just do a quick overview of the Stanley Cup semifinals that are going on right now. Of course, both series are 3-2, to but let's go ahead and just jump right into it here with Gerard Gallant and talk about, you know, a couple other uh, talking points to come out of the introductory press conference yesterday. Uh, Gallant mentioned about how he believes the Rangers are ready to take another step. He likes the mix of the young and the veteran players, called it an excellent roster. And then uh, there was a question for Chris Drury from Larry Brooks, and Brooks basically asked uh, why the Rangers decided that it was time to move on from David Quinn. And this is what Chris Drury had to say. This is not an exact quote. I'm paraphrasing just a little bit here, but for the most part, this is more or less what he said. Uh, This is what Drury had to say about Quinn. It was time for a new voice, a new coach, some new leadership in the room. And then he was also asked about, you know, tweaking of the Ranger lineup possibly looking to add uh, more toughness or just different players in general. And Drury had this to say, we're always looking at ways to improve the lineup, to add different pieces. Every team in the league, we all want harder players to play against, and we're no different. And again, you know, it's very basic stuff. You know, we talked about this a little bit in yesterday's episode as well, where, you know, a lot of the responses from Gallant and Chris Drury were coach talk and GM talk. But again, these are still things worth looking at. And uh, I do expect the Rangers to probably be a little bit more active in free agency than they were last season or even the season before that. Of course, two years ago is when they uh, signed Artemi Panarin to the mega deal. And of course, they trade for Jacob Truba as well. But I think this offseason, you're going to see them add a lot of nice complimentary pieces, or at least a few nice complimentary pieces to this roster. We'll obviously keep our eyes on that going forward. Gallant was also asked about the World Championships. Of course, he coached Team Canada in that tournament. Canada started 0-3 during the round-robin phase or whatever lingo they use to describe, you know, the opening round before it's the knockout round in that tournament. Uh, But, you know, he talked about that experience, basically said that he jumped at the chance to coach Team Canada. Uh, He wanted to go through a little bit of a training camp, and he thinks it helped to get those 10 games under his belt uh, after not coaching at all for 16 months. And I would agree. I mean, that only makes sense that, you know, somebody who's been out of the game for a little while, not too long, but more than a year, uh, 
it's a good way to kind of bridge his way back into becoming an NHL head coach again. Because I think if you look at the landscape this offseason, and there weren't a ton of head coaching vacancies, but, you know, Gerard Gallant was long considered the favorite to land the Ranger job. And even if the Rangers went in a different direction, I get the feeling that some of the other teams probably would have been in on Gallant. I mean, with the Arizona Coyotes pass on Gerard Gallant, with the Buffalo Sabres pass on Gerard Gallant? Probably not. So, yeah, I think it was pretty much a slam dunk that Gallant was going to be coaching again in the NHL. He's going to be a head coach again probably this season. And, of course, you know, I think it makes all the sense in the world that that would be a nice bridge, you know, going from the World Championships, coaching that team for 10 games, uh, just kind of getting back into the swing of things to then jumping into your next job as an NHL head coach. So that definitely made sense to me. Gallant was also asked about some of his short coaching tenures across the NHL, really all three of the jobs he's ever had. He has not been the head coach for very long. I've been kind of referring it to uh, the third-year curse that has kind of plagued Gerard Gallant throughout his entire run as a head coach in the NHL because with Columbus, with Florida, and with Vegas, he was fired in the middle of year three with all three of those franchises. I think the last two were certainly unwarranted, but he was asked about you know some of those short coaching tenures that he's had, and he basically said that he has a hard time looking back and asking himself why he got fired. Uh, he said he thought he did a great job with Vegas and also with Florida. Uh, mentioned that he comes to the rink with a smile on his face every day and that once he gets fired, he just tries to move on as quickly as he possibly can and uh, not live in the past. So again, you know, pretty basic stuff there. Coach speak, call it whatever you will, but it's obviously good to know that he's not dwelling on the past and he's looking forward to what he's going to do as head coach of the New York Rangers. Gallant was also asked about what kind of a team identity he wants the Rangers to have. He was asked about Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere specifically and what he's expecting from both of those guys. And he also brought the Tom Wilson incident unprompted. He uh, was not asked about that specifically, but he talked about it a little bit uh, just on his own. And we're going to talk about all those things in just a second here. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline offers real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Once again, BetOnline.ag. All right, so as we were just talking about, Gallant was asked about what kind of a hockey team he'd like the Rangers to be, what kind of a reputation he would like them to have, and he basically uh, had this to say. Again, I'm paraphrasing just a little bit here, but this is pretty much the long and short of what he said as far as what kind of a team he would like the Rangers to be, what the team identity he would like them to have. He said... I want 23 guys that know what their jobs and responsibilities are. I want it to be the hardest working team in the league. Make teams say that team works hard every night. They compete hard for 60 minutes every night. And that's why they're winning hockey games. And I think all of us can pretty much uh, happily sign up for that. If the Rangers end up getting that kind of reputation as far as being one of the hardest working hockey teams in the league, I think that's uh, the style of play that's really going to play well for New York Ranger fans. And it's also something that kind of reminds me a little bit of the Vegas Golden Knights and how they played under Gerard Gallant. Because if you watched them, especially during that run to the Stanley Cup Finals that they had in their expansion season, that was kind of who they were. I mean, they weren't necessarily the most talented team in the league. I mean, they had some good players 
players. There's no doubt about that. Some of those guys are still with the Knights even now. But to me, you look at that roster top to bottom, everybody stepped onto the ice, everybody contributed, everybody had kind of a unique role, and everybody played their tail off. And if Gallant can get the Rangers playing the way that that Knights team played, and again, I think it's a more talented roster that the Rangers have right now than the Knights had back then, then the sky's the limit for this team. So uh, obviously very encouraging to hear that, that Gallant is going to you know demand the effort be there every single night. And we talked a little bit about Gallant's thoughts on everything that happened between the Rangers and the Capitals when Tom Wilson went Tom Wilson on everybody. And, you know, I don't want to get into too much detail on that today because we talked about it quite a bit yesterday's episode. But the one note from that that I thought was kind of interesting is that none of the Ranger reporters, and this is something that I did not realize yesterday because I had not yet watched the entire press conference from start to finish. The video was not available at that time. But none of the reporters who had dialed into this Zoom call actually asked Gerard Gallant about the Tom Wilson incident. He was talking about, uh, you know, kind of the character and the makeup of the Rangers, and he brought that incident up by himself. And when he was talking about the Rangers' response to what Tom Wilson did in the next game, when, you know, all those fights happened, uh, he referred to it as an important step for the Rangers to take that night. And I agree, and again, that's something that we talked about in yesterday's episode. Don't have to dive into it in too much detail today. But to me, again, that's another one of those things. It's an incident that kind of bring the Rangers a little bit closer in the long run. Those guys clearly showed that night that they have each other's backs, that they care about each other, and uh, you just hope that you know, in the long run, that's a blessing in disguise because I know it was rough to go through it. I know that a lot of us were furious that the NHL didn't handle it better than they did, only giving Tom Wilson the $5,000 fine. There wasn't really any justice. I mean, Brennan Smith went after Tom Wilson, and it was great that he landed a few punches, but in reality, I mean, he's really no match for Tom Wilson in a fight, and even though Smith kind of jumped him, I mean, I'd, I'd say Wilson probably landed more punches in that fight. It still was very satisfying to see uh, the Rangers just go after Wilson, though, and again, stand up for themselves, and it seems like Gallant... Uh, Again, long before he became coach of the Rangers, at least a few months before he became coach of the Rangers, he was very impressed by how the Rangers uh, handled themselves on that night as well. Gallant was also asked about Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere specifically and what he's expecting out of them for this upcoming season and really in the years to come. And Gallant mentioned that, you know, he's obviously not been a coach for 16 months, so he's had some time to watch some more hockey than he otherwise would have. And he said that he's watched a lot of the Rangers and a lot of Caco and Lafreniere, uh, said that they have high-end talent, high-end skill, and he said, let's take it to the next level. Also mentioned that there's not going to be any extra pressure applied to those kids. It's Go out there and play and do your job and get better every day. Uh, he compared them a little bit to Alexander Barkov and Aaron Ekblad from Florida and mentioned that they're going to be given the opportunity to take steps forward. And when you deserve more, you're going to get more. So it sounds like both of those players are going to be given every opportunity to take that next step forward this year. I would think that at least one of them, if not both of them, will be in the top six. I mean, Gerard Gallant didn't get into that much detail. And of course, uh, the team that the Rangers have right now is not the exact same team that they're going to have on opening night because we still have to go through the draft. I mean, any player that the Rangers draft is most likely not going to go straight to the NHL given that they're picking 15th this season rather than first or second. And, you know, we still have to go through free agency. We'll see what happens there. There could be some trades. So a lot of different ways that this could shake out. But, I mean, I would imagine going into the season, we could see maybe Alexi Lafreniere is the uh, left wing on the top line. Maybe Capo Caco is the right winger on the second line. We will see. And, of course, uh, there's going to be a lot to be said about that during training camp and during the preseason. But, yeah, it's good to know those guys are going to be given every opportunity to uh, you know, claim a prominent role on this team and hopefully just hit the ground running when the season starts, take that next step forward, and never look back and, and before long become uh, the exact players that the Rangers believe they were drafting uh, when they took Alexi Lafreniere number one last year and Capo Caco number two the year before that.
Gallant was also asked about his coaching staff and who he might be looking at as far as candidates to round out that staff. And he was asked specifically about Mike Kelly. Mike Kelly is somebody that we talked about uh, about a week or two ago uh, when Gallant was first named the head coach. I believe it might have been the episode after that where we started talking a little bit about uh, some potential assistant coach candidates. And Mike Kelly was somebody that I brought up as well. Uh, Simply just kind of connecting the dots here. Mike Kelly has been with Jared Gallant on several stops throughout his career as a coach in hockey. Kelly was first with Gallant with the St. John Sea Dogs of the QMJHL, and they together led the Sea Dogs to two QMJHL championships. And then Kelly was also with Gallant uh, when he coached the Florida Panthers, and he was with Gallant when he coached the Vegas Golden Knights. And when Gallant was fired from both the Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights, Kelly was fired with him. I don't know a whole lot about Mike Kelly as far as, you know, is he a player's coach? Is he a disciplinarian? I couldn't really tell you. But again, just kind of connecting the dots here, just makes sense that his name might come up and that he might be in the running to be an assistant coach with the New York Rangers. And I think that familiarity is always a good thing, as we've talked about. You know, Gallant definitely had success with both the Panthers and the Knights, and he had Mike Kelly with him for both of those stops. But this is what Gallant had to say as far as the ongoing coaching search is concerned. We're definitely talking to a lot of people. No decisions have been made. We would like to see it happen within a couple weeks, but we'll take our time and get the right people in. Mike Kelly has been around a long time with my staff, and we'll see where that goes, but there's nothing done with anybody yet. We're just talking to guys and interviewing guys. And with that, that was pretty much the end of the press conference. I believe that was the last question that either Drury or Galan answered. And again, the press conference wasn't that long. It was a little bit under 20 minutes, but I thought it went pretty well. Galant seemed to be in good spirits, seemed to be very excited about taking the job. And, uh, you know, we got some pretty important takeaways, uh, namely that the Rangers are going to be looking to name a captain. And we also found out exactly what type of a team that Galant is looking to put together uh, when he takes over the Rangers and leads them into this next season. And of course, we'll continue to track all of the off-season front office shuffling, the shuffling to the coaching staff. They still have to fill out the entire staff, minus Galan and Benoit Allaire. And so, you know, if there's any rumors about this coach or that coach, we'll definitely talk about that uh, a little bit more on this podcast. In just a second, though, we're going to shift our attention to Philip DiGiuseppe, who is an impending unrestricted free agent with the New York Rangers. We'll look into whether or not the Rangers might want to keep him and what it might cost to bring him back and just kind of weigh all the pros and cons of keeping Phil DiGiuseppe in the fold for next season. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning, like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and have to wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse just happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. 
All right, so as we talked about in the intro, we want to kind of continue our off-season series here where we take a look at all the different impending New York Ranger free agents, both unrestricted and restricted. And today, we're going to point the spotlight at Phil Giuseppe. He is an impending unrestricted free agent, so he is free to sign with any team once free agency begins. Uh, Phil Giuseppe, just to kind of take it from the top here, is 27 years old, just completed his second season with the Rangers after previously playing with both the Hurricanes and the Predators. He was actually a second-round pick by the Hurricanes. He went number 38 overall back in 2012, and then he was waived by the Hurricanes on January 1st, 2019. So, Happy New Year, Phil. That's really cool, doing that on a holiday. But he was then claimed by the Nashville Predators, and he appeared in just three games with the Predators for the rest of the 2018-2019 season. He also played 24 games that year with the Milwaukee Admirals. That is the AHL affiliate of the Nashville Predators. And then, like we said, he's been with the Rangers in each of the past two seasons. In 2019-2012, which was his first season with the Rangers, he appeared in 20 games, scored one goal, dished out three assists, was a plus one overall, put 35 shots on goal, averaged 11 minutes and 17 seconds of ice time, dished out 38 hits, and blocked 20 shots. And, of course, he also split some time with the Hartford Wolfpack that season as well. With the Wolfpack that year, he appeared in 43 games and actually had a little bit of offense with the Wolfpack in the AHL that season. Scored 14 goals, notched 12 assists, so 26 points in 43 games. Uh, not bad, obviously. Uh, any kind of offensive production that he's had in the AHL is not followed him to the NHL, but that's not really his game at this point. You think of Phil Giuseppe, you think of kind of like a fourth-line type, a big physical, tough forward who can throw his weight around, strong on the floor check, and uh, somebody who I think could be an ideal fourth-liner for the Rangers going forward if they'd like to hang on to him. Uh, we'll see what direction the Rangers choose to go. I don't think they would necessarily have to break the bank to hang on to a Phil Giuseppe, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a second. To just run through his stats from this past season, he appeared in 31 games with the Rangers, scored one goal, notched seven assists, so eight points in 31 games. He was a plus two overall. He had 44 shots on goal, averaged 11 minutes and five seconds of ice time, had 78 hits, and blocked 16 shots. But I got to be honest here, guys. If I'm Phil DiGiuseppe and I'm kind of weighing my options this offseason, there's a decent chance that I might look to sign elsewhere, somewhere else besides the New York Rangers, because to me, I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but it just kind of felt like there were times this year where he was just sort of the odd man out and not always justifiably so. You know, I think you very easily could have made Brett Howden a healthy scratch at times instead of Phil Giuseppe. We don't have to go down that road again. I'm not looking to pile on Brett Howden, but there were times where, you know, Howden just wasn't bringing anything to the table, and I thought Phil Giuseppe was playing reasonably well and probably should have been in the lineup over Brett Howden, and that was really never the case. I mean, I think Howden was a healthy scratch at least once, maybe like twice this past season. Phil Giuseppe was constantly a healthy scratch. He was always in and out of the lineup. And also, you know, if you're Phil Giuseppe, it's probably hard not to see the writing on the wall because when you look at this Ranger roster, especially the roster that the Rangers were going with at the end of the season, and now granted the Rangers were dealing with, you know, a ton of injuries, uh, some suspensions due to everything that happened between the Rangers and the Capitals. They were obviously not going to take any chances with players who were even slightly injured. So for that reason, the lineup looked quite a bit different in those last couple of games against the Bruins there. But I mean, look at some of the forwards who were active down the stretch this past season. You had Vitaly Krausov. Sounds like the Rangers still have pretty big plans for him if he doesn't end up being, you know, part of a trade package for somebody else. But he's somebody that the Rangers took in the top 10 overall. They obviously have big plans for him. Morgan Barron, they seem to be high on him. Justin Richards made his debut with the Rangers. You know, all these guys are significantly younger 
than Phil DiGiuseppe. And again, I think the Rangers simply have more invested in all those players that I just listed than they do in a Phil DiGiuseppe. And that's nothing against Phil DiGiuseppe. It's just that some of those players were high draft picks and the Rangers probably want to uh, continue kind of this youth movement that they've had going on. And you got to figure they're going to give guys like Vitaly Krasov and Morgan Barron every opportunity to claim roles for next season. And another guy that you could even throw in there, and it's a little bit different, but you could toss Colin Blackwell in there as well. And with Blackwell, again, it is different because he's not like this major league can't miss prospect, but he's somebody who gave the Rangers a lot more than they were expecting last season and seemed to kind of jump Phil Giuseppe in the pecking order. And for all those reasons, you know, I, I don't know. I get the feeling that if Phil Giuseppe, if he re-signs with the Rangers again this upcoming season, you're going to see him quite possibly being a healthy scratch more often than not. And he's somebody that I don't think is ever really going to have any stability in the roster night in and night out. I think you're going to see him go back and forth between being a healthy scratch and being active in game nights. So for all those reasons, it could make sense for Phil DiGiuseppe. I mean, I'm just kind of looking out for Phil here. Uh, it could make sense for him to possibly sign on somewhere else, somewhere where he could have a little bit more of a solidified role uh, on the fourth line. I, I don't know that any team is just going to give him a, a role and say, listen, you're in the lineup every single night, no matter what. But there could be a clearer path to playing time for Phil DiGiuseppe in some other places in the NHL. Now, with all that said, would I like to have Phil DiGiuseppe back on the Rangers next year? You know, maybe a one- or two-year deal? Yes, I would. I think he's an ideal fourth-line type player. He's a big guy, six feet tall, 193 pounds. He's strong in the forecheck, and he's certainly not an offensive juggernaut or anything like that, but... I also wouldn't say that he's clueless when the puck is on his stick. You know, he seems to see the ice fairly well, makes some decent passes from time to time. You know, it's easy to forget that in the first three games that he played with the Rangers this season, he racked up four assists. Uh, this was despite being a healthy scratch on opening night. He was then active for the next three games, and again, four, four assists in those three games. Now, of course, Phil DiGiuseppe was never going to sustain that pace, but there was a time last year where he was on the second line pretty often, and that was mostly at the start of the season when he was picking up uh, these four assists in these three games here. But it does show that he can at least kind of pull his weight if he's out there with some skilled forwards, and that he can jump into a middle six role if you're really in a pinch, if there's some injuries, if there's some guys that just aren't playing very well, and you need to move him up into a middle six, he can at least, you know, keep up with the action. I think fourth line is definitely ideal for Phil Giuseppe, but... He can at least handle himself if he needs to move up the lineup, and certainly that's a good thing we talked about. You know, I kind of compared him a little bit to Jesper Foss at the beginning of this season because Foss is one of those guys who had kind of a similar game as Phil DiGiuseppe and could kind of move up and down the lineup pretty much freely, and you would never feel like he was out of place. And I kind of got a little bit of that from Phil DiGiuseppe as well, maybe not quite to the same extent that I did with Foss, but again, somebody who best suited for the fourth line but can play a middle six role if the occasion calls for it. It should also be noted that DiGiuseppe's most recent contract was with the Rangers. It was a one-year deal that paid him $700,000. So again, you don't have to break the bank to keep this guy. If you want to give Phil DiGiuseppe a little bit of a, a raise and sign him for a million for one year, or $1.1 million, or $1.2 million, whatever it might be, I'd totally be open to that. I think he's somebody who, again, does bring some useful things to the table for the Rangers. I think he's solid on the fourth line for this team and does add a little bit of toughness and a little bit of grit that we so desperately covet as Ranger fans. So yeah, if DiGiuseppe's up for it, if he likes being a Ranger, if he likes his teammates, if he's comfortable where he's at, if he wants to stick around and kind of see this thing through to the end and, you know, maybe 
uh, help this team make the playoffs next season. We've talked about that quite a bit in the last few episodes. Then, by all means, bring him back. Uh, but I do think that you know if DJ Zeppi is really looking for, I don't want to say guaranteed playing time, but a situation where he has seemingly a path to more playing time, I could see him maybe landing on a team like, say, Edmonton or Toronto. And the reason I bring up those two teams is that they have both struggled a lot in the playoffs. They seem to be those great regular season teams. You know, those teams kind of pop up around the NHL every now and then. Uh, the Lightning had that reputation for a long time. The Capitals had that reputation for a long time. The Avalanche are pretty close to getting that reputation if they go down in the first or second round next season. And Edmonton and Toronto, I think, are kind of the poster teams of that description. And I think that what those two teams seem to be lacking is some of the toughness and some of the physicality and some of the grittiness that some of the other teams in the NHL seem to have more of. And you look at the four teams that are still standing in the Stanley Cup playoffs, all four of those teams probably have more uh, grittiness and toughness than Edmonton and Toronto. So I think Phil Giuseppe would be a great complimentary player for one of those teams. You could stick him again into a fourth-line role. I don't think that he necessarily spearheads one of those teams to a Stanley Cup. I, I just don't think he's frankly, good enough to do that. But again, a very solid complimentary player, somebody who kind of fill out the bottom six for you. And if you look at, you know, a team like Tampa Bay, they could never get it done in the playoffs. And they had some grinded out type players like Blake Coleman and Barclay Goodrow. And lo and behold, they win the Stanley Cup. And again, I'm not saying that Phil Giuseppe is going to have that kind of an effect. I just think that he, once again, would be a good complimentary player for a team like Edmonton or Toronto and would give them some of what they are currently lacking. And then the only other thing that I wanted to do today is to just kind of mention the Stanley Cup semifinals real quick. Obviously, the Lightning currently lead the Islanders three games to two after just an eight to nothing shellacking in game five. It goes back to the Islanders will host game six tonight. I get the feeling it's going seven. Sooner or later, I got to get one of these Stanley Cup predictions right. I usually do uh, quite a bit better in the Stanley Cup playoff predictions that I've done this season. This season's just been kind of crazy. But I did say that I think that series is going seven games. So I'm going to stick with that. I say the Islanders get the win in this one tonight. And then the Lightning bounce back with a uh, tight, maybe even overtime, game seven win. And they end up going back to the Stanley Cup finals. And then as far as uh, the other semifinal series that's going on, very, very surprised to see Montreal come out and basically just take it to the Knights last night. The Knights got a good push in the third period, but by then they were down 3 to nothing. never got closer than 3-1. to one. And now the Knights facing elimination have to go back to Montreal. I guess maybe at this point, none of us should be, really be that surprised because Montreal's played great in the playoffs. They obviously overcame a lot of adversity against Toronto being down three games to one, game five in overtime, game six in overtime. Their season's on the brink in both of those games as well as game seven. They come out of that. They sweep the Jets, who had just swept the Oilers. So, you know, maybe the, maybe Montreal just found something. It was a shorter season, and maybe it just took them some time to find their A game. They do seem to have an interesting mix of uh, veterans and young players on that team, and uh, they got Carey Price, so he's the X factor, and clearly uh, he's played a huge role in the success that they've had, and now that team is just one win away from the Stanley Cup Finals against all odds, which is pretty crazy to think about, but I don't know. I, I think right now I'm going to toss out a prediction that I think both these series end up going seven games. It just feels right. They've both been very tightly contested, and it does get harder. The farther you get into the playoffs, I've always said this, the harder it is to get rid of teams. You can be up three games to one, and before you know it, it's 3-3, and you're going to a decisive game seven. I really think the farther that these teams go, uh, the more tightly they kind of cling to their playoff lives, so to speak. And it just becomes very hard to eliminate teams the further you go in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So we'll see what happens. going to be very entertaining either way. And just so there's no confusion, this episode is actually being recorded on Wednesday. And of course, game six between the Islanders and the Lightning happened on Wednesday. I use past tense because this is going to be Thursday's episode. So by the time anyone's hearing this, 
Game six will have concluded, and we now know whether the Lightning have eliminated the hated Islanders or whether we've got a decisive game seven on the horizon. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, how did the Clippers let the Suns do that? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.